All right, you can have a seat. It's good to look around and see a heavily weighted to this side room, but people over here as well, it's good to see you. Uh, my name is Chad Puckett. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is a joy to, to serve and love this city. One of the things that we get to go through is we just get to march through Scripture and walk like word by word, verse by verse through the text. And so this is a fairly straightforward text. It, it makes some straightforward claims and, and tells us some direct things. And we just want to celebrate that. We want to look at it and we want to say, God, work on our hearts. None of us need another uh, service, another just religious thing to go to. And so I, I just ask that we stop right here. You pray for me, I'll pray for you, and we'll ask God to meet us right here in this moment. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We need you. We're asking for you to make this uh, alive in our hearts, that you would open our eyes to areas that were blind, that you would uh, drop the calluses in areas that we've grown uh, just numb to what you're doing in this world and in our lives. And, and Lord, that you would, you would fill us with your presence, that your Holy Spirit would go before us, that you would reveal areas of sin in our life, that you'd reveal areas uh, of disconnect in our life, and that, God, that you would move. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, use my words just humbly to serve and, and God to be clear. We're asking, Lord, for you to, to do something in us beyond just a, a group of people gathering in a room, that your spirit would meet us right now. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. As, you, as you're finding 2 Timothy, that's about three quarters of the way back, there's also no shame in going to something like page three in all of your Bibles, which is the, this, this table of contents. It just tells you what page all of these things are on. And this is a place in which it's always safe to go to the table of contents and say, where is that in this book? It's okay to always do that. And so get acquainted with it. If you need a Bible, we would love to get you one and to give you one. But let me just kind of pull back the curtain on my own life for just a second. Uh, I was a, a public school kid like many of you, and, and if you went through public school in Oklahoma at least, you had a, a, a moment in fourth or fifth grade where the powers that be think everyone should play an instrument. And that was a moment for me which was really enlightening in a lot of ways, uh, but I was thinking like, cool, I've always wanted to play drums, I've always wanted to, to be a guitar, awesome rock star, and I want to do those things. And so uh, I'm, I'm thinking, this is my moment to shine. And instead, what they did was say, they said, you're a tall kid, you look like you're made for a cello. Which for me was like a painful moment. I, I fully admit that right now in my life, I, I'm like, I really wish I knew how to play a cello. That would be really cool. And I, I, I would have a lot to, to go off of that. But as fifth grade Chad, uh, playing the cello was not what I thought was going to make me cool with the girls or, or something I wanted to do. At no point was I going to be Jimmy Page by learning how to play the cello. And so, like, for me, it was just a, a terrible, terrible moment. And, and I had this. My girls have heard this story their entire life. This is like a moment of shame in my life. But I was supposed to be playing the cello every single day. And what happened was 
I just filled out the paperwork and said, I'm practicing like 50 hours a week. I'm practicing all the time, uh, all this stuff. And I would just sign the paperwork and tell them I'm practicing this ridiculous amount of hours on this. And, and unbeknownst to me, like my fifth grade brain did not understand that at some point that was going to show itself that I had put in some 200 hours and I was no better in any of this. At some point it was going to show itself and it did. It showed up in which uh, I could no longer just fake it. I could no longer just hide behind this image of someone who was practicing all the time. There was no shortcut in order to learn an instrument. There's nothing to that. Later on, I coached basketball, and I had this kid on my team who uh, was okay, and I just kept telling him, like, this is not going to work against better competition. When things get bigger and faster, this is not going to work. And he looked at me, and I, I mean, just as serious as he could be, he meant this from the bottom of his heart, and, and it, will, it was forever burned into me. He looked at me, and he said, Coach, I'd rather look good and lose. And I'm telling you, I think he put his finger on something that's true for all of us. That's not just a, a thing with that guy. Like none of us, most of us would not say it that plainly and, and that just direct. But for most of us, it's like we have this desire in us this, for shortcuts. We would rather project an image than actually be the part. We would actually have people think better of us than we are. And we, we find ourselves in this trap. And that's one of the reasons why I think this is really helpful for us. I think 2 Timothy in particular is really helpful for us because it is Paul coming right to us, knee to knee, nose to nose to Timothy and saying, I know you're in this crazy world. I know you're in this crazy world, but there are no shortcuts. And so where we've been sitting in the past couple weeks is this long list of ugliness. It's a world like ours, though the technology is different. Uh, it, it really is a lot like ours. We're reading about uh, false teachers who are spreading lies. We're reading about people who are just going about chasing after everything that's uh, before them. We're reading about people who are getting in these word fights needlessly. They're just arguing over words. And if that doesn't sound like social media, you have not been on social media recently. We're, we're reading about people who are struggling and, and like you can feel Timothy just like throwing up his hands and say, how is anybody supposed to finish this race? How is anybody supposed to do this? And, and I'm just being honest with you. There are times where I feel like, God, like what is it? How, does, how am I supposed to walk with Jesus in this culture? And, and in 2 Timothy right here is just answering these very specific questions. It's really hard to live in this world. It's really hard to walk with Jesus. And there are plenty of times in which we want to just throw our hands up in the air. And, and yet we have these words right here, these two kind of small uh, sayings. Right here in verse 10, it says this. For whatever reason, I'm in Titus. Next page. In verse 10, it says, You, however... It gave this 19-word list of, like, 19-verse list of things, like, all these things that it says, like, these things are going on. It's crazy in this world. Even in our passage tonight, it says, man, there are going to be people who are doing evil things that go from bad to worse. It's like, you're in a crazy world. If you haven't, if you haven't figured that out, like, you, you need to pay attention. And yet, a passage like this goes right to the heart, and it's Paul going to Timothy, and it's God coming to us, and he's saying, you, however, are, live differently. In verse 14, he says, 
but as for you, but as for you. And I think about this in terms of like my own kids. I think of, I've got three daughters and I'm like, I know this is hard. I know this step is hard. I know this season is hard, but like we, we just want to keep putting one foot in front of the next and press on. And this is Paul coming to Timothy saying that very thing. He's saying, I know this is difficult. I know this season is crazy, but press on. But as for you, when I think about our church, I think like the goal is not that we would have some massive uh, show. The goal is not that we would entertain you as well as anybody could ever entertain you. The goal is not even that we would fill up this room. The goal is that we would finish this race. That we would look to Jesus and that we would finish this race. And so what I want us to do this evening is simply look at the two things that Paul specifically puts in here for Timothy to encourage his heart and to encourage his soul. The two things that he points to and he says, but as for you, as for you. One is, is really pretty simple and we don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but it is worth us actually looking and, and taking a look at. The second one might be as obvious a statement as you're going to get out of the Bible and yet it's one of those that we tend to get distracted from. We tend to just take it for granted and move on instead of seeing it as the gift that it is. And so if you would, we're going to pick it up in verse 10, but hear this first gift. Here's this first gift that Paul gives in the middle of a crazy world, in the middle of a crazy season for Timothy. And Paul goes right here to this first gift. And it's the gift uh, God has given you examples of people on how to live. He's given you examples of people in your life on how to walk with Jesus while everything around you seems to be spinning out of control. Notice what he says. Paul points directly to himself, but look at it. Pick it up in verse 10. He says, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Who did he learn it? He learned it directly from Timothy. He learned it right there from Timothy. And, and Timothy, he's given this list of things. Paul says specifically a number of things. He said, you've seen his teaching. You've seen my teaching. And you think for us, it's the same thing. We need people in our lives. We need godly examples of people who will point us back to the truths of God's word. Now that's true. We want to preach and, and go directly out of the text. There are more of that. That's next week. But think of it. You need more than just preaching on Sunday. You need friends. You need people in your life who will point you back to the truth of scripture, to the true teachings of his word. He points to his conduct, to, to his conduct of, among people. And you and I, you, you and I need people helping us see the beauty and benefit of a godly life. 
I have a problem when someone's in the right lane and I'm trying to turn right at a stoplight and I, it like goes zero to 100 in my heart. I, my blood boils that someone would sit at a stoplight and when I'm trying to turn right in that, it's, a, it's like a character default of mine. And I need people in my life, my wife among them, to point me back to what godly conduct looks like. I, that's, that's a silly, uh, it's a silly spot, but there's area upon area in our lives in which we need to see what it looks like in those everyday spaces. Paul points to his aim in life. You've seen, Timothy, you've seen my aim in life. You've seen the point of all this. And you and I need people in our life to remind us of what we're really about. You know, you don't need that thing. You actually need to remember what this life is about. Don't chase that dream. I, I was sitting with a guy in, in his hospital bed. He was in his hospital bed and, and God really saved his life. He had had a massive heart attack and his eyes were open again. And he was like, I really feel like God saved me for a reason. And he said this to me. He said, I feel like God saved me for a reason. I want to go see every national park west of the Mississippi. And I was like, that's a terrible thing to be saved for right there. We need people to remind us that there's more to life than seeing every national park you can go see. That there's actually a point to all this. We need people to remind us that when we want to give up, that there's actually something that we're going after. Paul points to his faith, his patience, his love and steadfastness. He points to these things and we actually, you and I need people helping remind us of these things, helping model what it looks like to be steadfast, helping model patience in our life because none of us, not one of us in here is patient all the time. We need people in our lives who are doing this. He even points not just to the, the virtuous side of things, he points to persecution and suffering. Did you have an example, Timothy, of what it looks like to suffer well? God, I just think that, that must have been really hard to even write down. Paul knows intimately the suffering that he went through. And if you've ever been like on a hike, a real hike, not around the lake, not just like uh, a mile or two down the road, but like where you, you feel like, you'll know you've been on a hike if you had this moment where you're like, go on, save yourselves. This is the end for me. This is it. And you just want to lay down, throw your pack down and just be like, I'm done. This is where it all ends for me. And, and there's a suffering that happens in some things. And you need people in your life to say, get up one foot in front of the next, press on. This suffering, this hard, this difficulty is not the end. It's not the end. We need people in our lives pointing us back to it. We need a church full of people who are pointing us to these things. It's one of the reasons why we're so serious about community groups. It's one of the reasons why we, we say we want to do life together in community as a church gathered on Sundays, but in a community through the week. And here's why. Because we need people modeling these things from us. We're not, we, we don't need heroes. We're not looking for one person who can do all of this. That's not possible. We, we actually need people. That's why God gave us a body of Christ to do this together. And, and some of you have taught me lessons uh, on what it looks like to move past your comfort zone. 
Others have taught me lessons uh, of just what it looks like to love God even through difficult circumstances in your life. And we could go on and on about uh, lessons and ways in which you've been examples and different things. But we see that in our community group. It's one of the reasons why we don't do community group based on age of life. Because, you know, if you're, if you're a new married person, you actually need some people in your life walking with you who've been married a little while. If, if you have a few more years under you, you actually need some 20-year-olds to help push you and kick you in the butt and, and, and remind you of some things. And you need some people in your life. We need examples of all of these things. It's why we want to surround ourselves, not with just people who look and think like us, but the entire body of Christ. Elbows need knees and so on and so forth. We need one another. It's why we believe in membership. It's, it's saying, I, I'm going to covenant together with people to press on and keep walking. It's part of the but as for you. It's part of that where we say, I, I, I know we're messy. I know that life is difficult. I know that things get rough sometimes and I want to throw in the towel. And instead, I'm like lashing myself to one another in that we would finish this race together. That we would do this together. It's why we want to walk in these ways. And when we ignore these gifts, when we ignore a gift like the examples that God has given us all around us, that this isn't a solo project, that I'm around people, they get to see into my life, I get to see into their life. And, and when we ignore that, it's just like having the cello sitting next to you and talking about how good you are. When we come to church all the time and we ignore the people that God has placed around us and the gifts that God has given us and those around us, it's just like saying, oh, no, 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 I can really play that. I practice all the time while ignoring what God has given you. You may be thinking, like, I don't even know how. I don't know where those gifts are, but like it, you have that in people right around you. And if you, don't, if you can't recognize that, we'd love to help you. But if nothing else, you have it in Paul right here, which leads us right to our next gift, which it actually points to the next gift, which is picked up right here in 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. With the sacred writings. See, the second gift is that God has given you his very word. He's given you his very word. Notice, it goes on. His, the You've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Man, you, you have everything you need in this. And it's given to you for a reason. It's given you to make you wise for salvation. And, and not just unto itself, it's anchored in something through faith in Jesus Christ. Through faith in Christ Jesus. So tonight isn't, isn't a try harder, clean yourself up, be more religious, be a better person, and, and then maybe God is going to like you. No, he's saying like, these, this is a gift for you. 
This is a gift for you. It's where God is saying, it's God literally coming to you and saying, I'm not done with you. And here's how I've made a way. It's a gift to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. We get to see this. Every bit of being a Christian is about Jesus. Every bit of it. And then notice the tenderness with which it comes out. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God. It's breathed out by God. There's a tenderness in these words, breathed out. They haven't been posted on social media. They're not just endlessly out there to be like some meme. They're, they're not just written in some skywriter. They're actually breathed out from the mouth of God for you and for I and for our good. You see, when you, when you feel alone, when you, you feel like you're all alone in this, you have the very words of God spoken to you. When you feel like it is too much and, and you are crumbling at your core in ways that may or may not be seen by other people, you are not in this alone. God has breathed out his words for you, for your good, for hope and for peace, for, for, for you to stand firm and to press on. And when you feel like your prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling and they're going nowhere and you just feel like you're, you're just spinning up empty words, you, you know that God has breathed out this gift for you, these words. He's given it to you. And it's not just like one. He hasn't just given you this section. He's given you this long form story of himself and who he is. These words of God are, are a revealer. They're a revealer of who God is and they're a revealer of who we are. Each and every page telling you of God's character, of his, of his plan and of his purpose, what he's doing and why he's doing these things. It doesn't tell us everything that we would want to know. But it tells us everything that we need to know to walk faithfully with him. To walk with him. Notice what it says. It talks about it's profitable. It's profitable for teaching. This word of God, this word of God breathed out for you is profitable. It is for your good. It is so that you would be taught something and so that others would be taught. If we want to learn about God and see him revealed in us and, and us revealed in this, it, we see it is taught right here on the pages of scripture. He goes on. He says it is for reproof and correction, it, bringing us back to God. It, it, it alters our course when we get off the path when we when we find ourselves in the thicket when we find ourselves lost along the way it brings us back it corrects us and all of us have areas of our lives in which need correcting because on our own i would be running right into the the woods lost and desperate again throwing off my pack and saying save yourself i can't do this his his word it's good for these things. It's for training in righteousness. When we say, how on earth is someone supposed to walk in the ways of God in this culture? He's given us the answers. He's given us what we need. This gift is in his word. It, it, we see it in examples lived out, but we see it so clearly every single day that we go to it. It is right here in his word. And then he says that you 
may be complete. Complete and equipped for good works. You see, it doesn't say that you would be, that you would be ready to show yourself right for God. It doesn't say that you would be ready to, to earn your, his love for you. It has been given. It is freely given. It says that you would be complete, that you're missing something, that you would be complete and equipped for good works. For good works. This book is just simply God coming to your side, God coming right to your side and saying, I'm not done with you. This word, these pages, every bit of it, it's just God coming up and saying, you can do this. Not by your own strength, not by your own willpower, but by everything that he's given you. You see, if we went all the way back, if we went back to the first five books, we'd read about a guy named Moses. And Moses plays a, a really special part in this story, and not because Moses was something special. In fact, you'd see the opposite. Moses is a screw-up just like all of us in, in so many ways. And, and yet Moses is a man that God is working in his life, and, and Moses has these moments, and one of the moments that most, most people are recognized is God gave these Ten Commandments, and he carved them on these tablets, and, he, and Moses is to carry him down to the people. And, and this... This interesting thing comes out when you get from Moses, when, when Moses has this exchange with the words of God. He says this in Deuteronomy. He says, take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. They're not just idle words for you. They are your life. Moses writes this down. Writes this down for us. God telling him, they're not just words for you. They're your life. They're your life. Later on, when we read about the life and work of Jesus, when we're in the Gospels, those four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we read about Jesus being tempted, and you think, like, God, man, could, Jesus couldn't possibly have been tempted the way I am, and yet we see throughout Scripture that Jesus was tempted. He, he's a man who was tempted in, in every way he was tempted. And we, we get his response to his tempter. Jesus says this in Matthew 4, it's written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, Moses, from the very word of God, says, these, these aren't just words, these are life. These words are life. And Jesus, Jesus, our truer and better brother, says, these aren't just words, these are, this is food for your every day. We're to feast on these types of things. And the, the scriptures were life to Moses and food to Jesus, and they are all that and more to each of us. They're gift given us because of godly examples. The, what Paul is coming up and saying to Timothy is that, that you have these godly examples. You have this example. And you in this room and I have these examples and we have this gift of God's word so that you and I can press on. 
and in the midst of everything swirling all around us that you and I could stand in this moment, find our footing and take one more step towards faithfulness. It's tempting. It's tempting all the time just to throw up our hands. It's just to, to say, I don't know I don't know how I'm going to press on. I don't know what faithfulness looks like in this next moment. I don't know how to do this. And, and believe me, let me, again, just full disclosure, I feel it all the time. I feel it all the time. And I'm thankful for men and women in my life who are godly examples in so many ways. And I'm thankful for the word of God, which guides and, and, and gently leads my heart back to say, I don't have to take this mountain right now. I just want to take one more step of faithfulness. One more step. And so as Paul says to, t- to Timothy, let it be said over us, but as for you, take these gifts Take these gifts and run. When we ignore them, it's, it's like having the cello right next to you and telling everybody that you can play. When we just come to church all the time and we just go through the motions and we walk in and we walk out and, and not much is different and we're, we're not actually learning from the examples around us or, or the word that's been given to us, we're, we're just coming to church as a cello and telling everybody that we can play. there are no shortcuts with God. There's no shortcuts in faith. Image doesn't matter one bit. It's God at work in us and he's given you all these gifts for your good and for his glory. And so to those who, who might be in here wrestling with, is any of this even true? Is any of this even like possible? I would simply say that what, what these words show is that God's not done with us. He's not done with you. And take these words and simply read them. Look at who God says he is and what he says he's done. And to those who are, are, are playing their cello or writing down all the, the hours that they're spent, and their cello is just sitting beside them. I would say take these gifts and actually use them. Get involved in a community group. Or maybe you're already in there, but you're not, you're not bringing your full self. Like step in and, and, and walk with those around you. You may not know how to read God's word. Ask for help. There are plenty of people who would love to help you. And for those of you who are just trying to put one foot in front of another, and just get through another day. These words just simply say that God is not done with you. And he meets you in each and every step and he meets you every bit along the way. And he says, I'm here with you for all of it. Press on. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we're asking you to take these words Take the words of scripture and 
and do what only you can do with them. Holy Spirit, we're asking for you to work in our hearts and draw us to yourselves. And so God, would we learn from the examples that you've given us and other people around us? And God, would we learn from your very words breathed out tenderly and lovingly for our good? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.